0: for joining us for the Fund for American Studies Liberty and Leadership podcast, a series on the many ways liberty can help us tackle both the everyday and extraordinary issues in our lives. I'm Carrie Donarda, TFAS Director of Communications, and joining me is Dr. Ann Bradley. She's the TFAS George and Sally Meyer Fellow for Economic Education and our TFAS Academic Director. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Bradley.
1: Thanks for having me, Carrie. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: I'm so glad to have you here today to discuss COVID-19 from your perspective as an economist and as a professor of economics who spends a lot of time helping students understand the world through an economics lens. So I'm curious, what are some of the ways that the principles of market economics can help us fight the coronavirus?
1: I love this question because I think that now is It's more important than ever for us to keep the principles of the economic way of thinking at the forefront of our minds. And I think, unfortunately, when we're in a crisis moment, which we, of course, are right now, it might be easy to kind of toss those to the side or to forget them. So I think some of the, the principal ideas um, that I work with in the classroom with our students, but that I would just say are important for everyone as they're trying to navigate these very unprecedented and difficult times, is just to keep a few things in mind. The first thing I, I would say, um, and this is, comes from F.A. Hayek, who we spend a lot of time thinking about a Nobel Laureate in economics. Uh, we spend a lot of time talking about him and reading him and thinking about him in in our classrooms, but he says this, the curious task of economics is to demonstrate to men how little they really know about what they imagine they can design. And I think in a time of crisis, uh, that quote is really important for us. And, And the, you know, the summary idea from that quote is that economics, is about intellectual humility. And what we learn as students of economics is that this amazing world that we live in, this global world where we have partners, anonymous partners through trade, um, every day when we buy and sell things, we're trading with people we don't know and that we'll never meet. And there's, I think, you know, awe that we should have of that reality. And that is more important now than ever, but I think what that quote teaches us is that no one can design a global economy. Nobody can design these sophisticated markets that we live in. And I think in a time of crisis where we're worried about products being on the shelves, uh, with COVID-19, we're worrying about tests, we're worried about um, healthcare practitioners, masks, ventilators, um, drugs and treatments, all of these things are going to be so essential going forward to get on top of this. I would say we need the market now more than ever. No one government, no one leader, no one bureaucrat can design a solution to this problem. So, what is that mean? It means we have to work together to solve the problem. And so we need to unleash human creativity as fast as we can right now. And I do think that's the lesson of economics is that if you want a lot of economic prosperity, um, you have to have human creativity and you have to have increases in, in human productivity. And the way we get that is to stand out of people's way, right? To get out of the way of that process. And so right now we need innovation to happen at a faster rate, than it's ever happened before. That's how we're going to get on top of this. So I think the lesson is, you know, there's no one person that knows what to do, but in a decentralized way, if we let people be creative and we reward them through profits, then people will actually be the solution to this problem.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. You mentioned, um, you know, standing outside of people's way and encouraging innovation. I think we've seen a significant amount of deregulation happening across the country. Can you talk a bit about how these regulations impact our economy and our well-being?
1: Sure, Uh, so when we think of regulation we tend to think about these formal um, rules that govern business and industry and commerce and of course um, if we look at regulations in the 20th century or, and into the 21st century, they just continue to grow. Um, and so we can say, you know, are those good or are those bad? And right now, um, in the midst of this crisis, I think what we're seeing is that the, um, the government on all levels is really rolling back regulations. And the reason for that is they need results fast. So, you know, there's a couple of examples, perhaps, um, that I could give. But, for example, the FDA is loosening regulations on the distribution of these new tests. One of the problems with COVID-19 is we don't have enough tests. And so, you know, what that yields is that we have a lot of uncertainty about how many people actually have this. And if we don't know that, then we can't know Um, you know, kind of the drugs and the treatments that we need. So I think rolling back those regulations on um, distributing and creating the tests is really important. The other thing that we're seeing is, you know, not all these new test kits are going to have to be sent to a CDC lab first. So these are kind of cumbersome regulations that are done, at least in the name of public safety, but that comes with a cost. And that's what we learn in economics is that Um, you know, testing and these types of things are good. We don't want to flood the market with untested products and medicines, but there is too much testing that can happen. And if you test forever, then of course people don't get the life saving kits and the life saving drugs. So looking at that process, speeding up is really good. I think it's going to help us get on top of the problem. Another example is just the TSA is allowing hand sanitizer containers uh, to be larger. They can be 12 ounces now. And so that's an example of a regulation. Again, this regulation um, is done to, in the name of um, air traffic safety and airline safety and things like this. But it kind of raises questions about how important was that in the first place. Um, on the hand sanitizer issue, we're now seeing that distilleries, are starting to produce hand sanitizers because they have one key ingredient in hand sanitizers, which is alcohol. So this is a really great thing because it shows you that people that make similar types of products can shift their production very quickly on very short notice. And so you're seeing distilleries make hand sanitizers. Well, if you had to follow all the cumbersome rules and regulations, it would take months before we got more hand sanitizers. But because we're loosening, those regulations. We're going to get hand sanitizers out there to people who need it very quickly and of course this is a good thing because the shelves are empty right now so I don't know you know if you've looked out there for hand sanitizer it's difficult to find. Um, A couple other regulations we're seeing is just um, online learning at colleges and universities. Uh, We've really have had to change almost overnight the way we're educating college students and elementary school and and high school students for that matter. But as far as college is concerned, um, there have been regulations that have been eased so that colleges can continue educating their students so that semesters and years can be completed, but in a way that, um, you know, allows the students to keep learning. And so these types of things are encouraging because we need to solve the problems quickly and the regulations slow down the process of problem solving.
0: Uh, do you think that we'll see any kind of long-term uh, positive impact of these deregulations? Are these Is this something that we can expect to keep happening um, after we've conquered this virus?
1: You know, that's a good question. My hope is that we will realize that some of these regulations were never really helpful in the first place and that we will not bring them back. Um... But, you know, there's going to be different incentives inside of bureaucracies, you know, than there are outside of bureaucracies. So I think that that just remains to be seen. One thing I will say is that we don't really know how long all of this is going to take in terms of the measures we've taken around social distancing and things like that. And so it could be just a natural um, progression, you know, back, but I think it could be a long time until we see even any clamoring for these regulations to be brought back. So maybe that's the good news: is that this could be playing out for 12 to 18 months, um, and so or more, right? In terms of um, clinical trials and all these types of things that have to be brought to the market. So I don't think you're going to see people clamor for the regulations to be reinstalled quickly. Um, but I-, I wouldn't be surprised if, in the longer run, some of them do get reinstituted.
0: You know, I really like the example that you used of the distilleries turning their production over to making hand sanitizer. And I think there's been a lot of different businesses and people who have risen to the occasion And I'm wondering, what would you say are the steps that our businesses and our citizens and our government should be taken to help the economy during this time?
1: This is a great question. So I'll try to answer all three of those. I think in terms of the government, while we're on that topic, I think the government, you know, if I was um, advising what they should do and should not do, I would say continue to just dismantle regulations that make problem solving cumbersome that's that I keep doing that I think that's good I think the other thing that they can do is we need um, we need capacity in terms of um, hospitals. You know, we're going to need more beds and we're going to need more doctors and we're going to need more equipment. And so allowing the process of facilitating that to happen faster, I think is another thing the government can do. So I would be focused if, if I was a government official, I would be focused on those things. I think the other thing here is we need commerce to continue. Um, we need to help the economy as much as we can without, you know, I mean, we need to be very careful about social distancing because I do think that this is important for slowing down the spread of this virus. But I don't think that that requires a complete shutdown of the economy um, or nationalization of industry. You hear kind of some of those types of things being batted around. And I think we should be afraid of that. Again, going back to the first quote I mentioned when we started, Um, nationalizing business is not going to solve the problem because the government does not know how to run business. Um, that's just kind of a very basic lesson of economics. So we need commerce and the wheels of commerce to stay in motion. And so I think, um, that's another thing that the government can do is encourage that while encouraging, you know, social distancing and these really important, um, hygiene protocols that that we're all uh, trying to do. In terms of business and citizens, I'm really encouraged by what I see just daily coming out in the news in terms of what businesses are doing. So not all businesses are going to be able to respond in the same way, but I think what is really uh, unique is that we're seeing some businesses that are able to shift their production uh, into the production of resources that are scarce. So I already mentioned hand sanitizers. We're seeing that with distilleries. Um, an, another example is Dyson is shifting um, some of their production into the creation of ventilators, as is Airbus, as is Bloom Energy. So these are companies that are able on, on you know kind of a short turnaround to be able to shift their production into ventilators, which is something that we know as people increasingly get sick, we're going to have an increased demand for ventilators. So private business is really stepping up to the plate. Um, Fiat uh, is making 1 million masks per month. We know that these masks are essential for healthcare workers and people that are on the front line. So again, that's a private business shifting its production. So I'm very much encouraged by that, I would say Amazon is another company that's really um, being, they're under a lot of pressure right now, because that's a, the way a lot of us are getting our household items. And so they're working, it seems, around the clock to try to expand deliveries. They're increasing their protocols for cleanliness. Um, they are hiring 100,000 people right now. Um, they've delivered 250,000 items to hard-hit Seattle I think they're hosting an online live stream fundraiser this weekend. So it's just very encouraging to see what some of these larger businesses who have a lot more capital and are able to do some of these things are shifting towards. I think on the more local level, what you're seeing, and is very encouraging in terms of private charities, is they're able to fill in local gaps. So one of the things that we're seeing is that the Red Cross is stepping in with blood donations. You can imagine in a time of uh, a virus spreading like COVID-19, what people are worried about is leaving their homes. And so blood donations are down. And that's something that we cannot afford. The healthcare system needs those blood donations. So the Red Cross is really stepping up protocols for you to be able to go, in some cases, into a parking lot and donate blood in a way that's safe for you, safe uh, for the ultimate recipient, but allows that process to keep going. Um, the other thing we're seeing is in local communities, unfortunately, now that lots of children are at home, at-risk children don't get three meals a day if they're not in school. And so we're seeing um, organizations that are stepping up to the plate and trying to make breakfast and lunch deliveries. They're, in fact, even um, setting up school buses and creating hot hot spots. And driving into neighborhoods, again, more at-risk neighborhoods so that kids can get a Wi-Fi connection so the hope is they can continue their schoolwork. So I think citizens are stepping up to the plate. I think um, charities and businesses and government are all showing the ability to step up to the plate, and that's how we're going to get through this. So I really am encouraged. And just you know, article after article comes day after day where I see this response, and I think, that, that's the way we're gonna get through this. All of these sectors of society are gonna to have to work together to do it. And I think, I think we're on the road to that happening.
0: That's so good to hear, I agree. I think it's been uh, incredibly comforting to see how the communities have come together through this whole thing.
1: Very much so.
0: A lot of optimism. Yes. Um, Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today, Dr. Bradley. Uh, That's all we have time for today. And listeners, I hope you will join us again next time for another edition of the TFAS Liberty and Leadership Podcast. Make sure you visit us online at tfas.org for more resources and information. We hope you'll tune in again.